Hello, and welcome to Side by Side Digital, brought to you by Farm Credit Services of America and Frontier Farm Credit. This podcast series tackles topics geared towards young and beginning producers. Each episode, we invite farm credit and ag industry experts to share their insights on financial management, business outlooks, transition planning, and more. I'm your host, Rebecca Shively. In this episode, we're recapping key takeaways from our business negotiations webinar presented by Jim Canute, Senior Vice President of Business Development at FCS America, with Q&A highlights moderated by myself, Rebecca Shively. Join us as Jim shares eight business negotiation principles, six negotiation pitfalls, and tips for strengthening your negotiation skills. I'm very honored to be here today. I have about 37 years of experience in the finance and banking industry, and I'm going to share a little wisdom and knowledge with you today. Our topic is business negotiations. I'm going to talk about eight business negotiation principles or fundamentals, those kinds of things that you want to do. I'm also going to go over six business negotiation pitfalls or those things that you want to avoid. And then I'll end up with some tips on business negotiation communications. So let's start with those eight principles, those eight fundamentals, those things that you should do. And the first principle is take control. Take control. And when I say take control, I mean just about everything you can. The location, maybe have it at your place the time, the agenda, the priorities, and even the fact that there's going to be a negotiation. Again, by controlling the situation, you're going to be better able to decide what topics are discussed, what are the priorities, how is the negotiation going to go. You you can also take control in more passive ways, a lot of it around communication. You can offer to summarize where things stand. Maybe you can restate the other party's position for understanding. But the bottom line, take control of as much of the negotiation as you can. Because at the end of the day, the party that takes control, they generally have more control over how issues are eventually resolved. So principle number two, share information. Again, this is a time for transparency. Transparency builds trust. You want to work toward win-win solutions. If you want to hold your cards close to your vest, be very guarded. You're, you're actually going to put the other person on the defensive. You're going to decrease trust. And again, here's the psychological point. People tend to follow the norm of reciprocity. In other words, they respond in kind to how you treat them. Negative to negative, closed off to closed off, open to open, positive to positive. Again, you want to share information. You want to be open. Sharing information, again, it builds trust. It starts to build longer-term productive business relationships. And hopefully, and maybe most importantly, it'll build your case. So principle number three, use facts, not feelings. Again, this is your chance to frame up the issues, to get the important facts out on the table, right? even prioritize them. Successful negotiators separate business from personal. They don't make things personal. They separate facts from feelings. And again, they stay calm. They stay poised. They don't let difficult personalities or maybe difficult styles drag down the negotiation. 
And lastly, they really avoid using personal language, things like, I believe, I think, in my opinion. So again, stick to statements of fact. So principle number four, again, make the first offer. Make the first offer. Again, I understand this defies that basic conventional wisdom of, again, be a tough negotiator, don't tip your hand, hold your cards close. But the fact is the research has shown that people who make the first offer tend to get better terms closer to their target price. Again, this is the psychological principle of anchoring. In other words, where's that first stake put in the ground? Where's that anchor at? Again, whatever that first number that's out on the table, the other party tends to typically start to work around it. It sets the stage. So again, successful negotiators try to make the first offer. So principle number five, question rather than demand. You know, if the other party's taken a hard line on certain issues, taken a tough stance, sometimes the best way to approach that is to simply ask why. Why is that important to you? Maybe how did you arrive at that number? Or maybe simply an open-ended question like, tell me more about that. Again, be careful not to just fall into that demand trap. Questions tend to open the discussion up. They tend to be more productive. Arguments and demands tend to close communication down. So again, successful negotiators, they question rather than demand. So principle number six, if it's appropriate, if you can, think about breaking the negotiation into parts. Some negotiations break down because... The party's taken all or nothing kind of stance that you have to agree to all of the terms, all of the conditions to move forward. And again, a good way to avoid that roadblock is to break the negotiation into parts or even sections. Again, start with some of the easy ones. This way you can reach agreement. You can have a sense of moving forward, making progress. So another tactic for this, and it's one that I really like, is... Offer more than one solution or option. In other words, would you like red or blue? Do you want large or extra large? Would you prefer cash rent or a flex lease? When you offer more than one option or solution, you tend to start comparing and contrasting those options. Again, having dialogue, finding middle ground. It, again, it's another sign of progress forward. So principle number seven. Counter offers make both parties more satisfied. So here's the bottom line. Rarely accept the first offer. Rarely accept the first offer. The fact is every buyer wants to feel like they got a good deal. Every seller wants to drive a hard bargain. And at the end, the reality is both parties are going to feel a little more satisfied if there's some give and take, some back and forth. And here's the other point. By making a counter offer, it also ensures that you're getting the best deal. Don't accept just the first offer. And the last one, principle number eight, know your target price, but also know your walk away terms. In a negotiation, parties usually know their target price, right? Or what they're hoping to get. But the real key is to also know your range or where you need to stop or your walk-away point. And the fact is, if you don't know both, it can put you at a huge disadvantage, especially when you get into the heat of the moment, the emotion. If you don't know your walk-away point, 
and have a very clear idea about your limits, you will likely agree to terms or conditions that you're going to regret later. We've just heard some great tips on how to strengthen negotiation skills by following eight basic principles. But you may be wondering, how can these principles be put into action? Up next, Jim shares the success story of one young producer and his thoughts on what negotiation pitfalls to avoid. You know, I was thinking about these and I've got a story of a young producer that I know. He was about two years out of college. He'd come home to farm with his dad. They had a good-sized grain operation. His dad gave him the task of contacting all of their landowners and trying to convert all of their cash rent agreements to a flex lease. So this producer, he invited all of the landowners one by one over to their operation, you know, time, agenda. He had made a seven-year scenario of what the differences would have been in terms of the cash rent or the flex lease proposal. So he certainly was sharing information. He obviously used facts, not feelings. Clearly, he made the first offer. He knew his target price and his walk away really broke the negotiation to some parts also. But at the end of the day, over the next two years, he was able to convert all but one of their cash rental agreements into a flex lease agreement. And if you understand what he did, he really followed a lot of these principles, basic fundamentals of business negotiation. So now let's flip the coin. We talked again about what to do. Let's talk about what not to do or some pitfalls. So pitfall number one, poor planning or no planning. Successful negotiators plan ahead. They do their homework, they're prepared, they know their priorities, their alternatives, their target price, their walk away. This is not a time to wing it. If you're going to be in a serious business negotiation, do your homework. The old saying is true here, failing to plan is planning to fail. So pitfall number two, thinking the pie is fixed. The fact is it's usually not. Again, this is part of the planning process, but you're going to have to look through the other person's eyes. Do you really understand what's important to them? Maybe their preferences, some alternatives, their bottom line. By focusing on only one aspect of the negotiation, that's usually price, you might be leaving other win-win alternatives or options on the table, such as, I'm a landowner, but I live two hours away, or maybe I live out of state, but my elderly mother still lives on the home place. And what's really important to me is that somebody goes and checks on her once a week, or maybe you mow her driveway or, or move the snow in the winter. Or maybe I'm a landowner and I'm very concerned about the quality of my ground conservation, and you offer to put in a buffer strip by the creek or plant cover crops or do no-till. So again, don't always think the pie is fixed, especially around price. There may be other options and alternatives to reach a deal. Pitfall number three, failing to frame up the issues. Don't start with just a number. Don't start by just throwing out a number. This can quickly lead to a take it or leave it situation. Framing up the issues is all about telling the why the why around your proposal, maybe why your offer is within industry standards, why your offer reflects current market conditions, why there maybe even needs to be a change in terms or price. Framing up the issues is telling the why, putting a foundation under your offer or your deal. Failing to frame up the issues is a big mistake. So pitfall number four, watch out for anchors. Anchors are where that first price is stuck in the ground. 
there's always anchors and then adjustments from those anchors in any negotiation. The key is to just watch out for where they're set. So I'm going to do an example for the audience. I'm going to, this is kind of a participation. So everyone in the audience now, you're the seller of a house. Okay. So you're in the seller's shoes. You have a house for sale and you're going to list it for $500,000. A buyer comes along and offers you $375,000, pretty low ball offer. And you decide to ignore it, to not even respond. A few days later, that same buyer comes back and offers you $425,000. So you respond with a counter offer of $495,000. Then the buyer comes back and offers you $430,000 and complains, I've come up $55,000. So here's the question, what's your response? Think about that. Where were the anchors set? The fact is you've both given in by $5,000. That first offer, the anchor wasn't set there. So again, watch out for where anchors get set in a business negotiation. So pitfall number five, caving in too quickly. This can be somewhat of an outcome of the first four pitfalls. You really didn't do your homework. You didn't do planning. You thought the pie was fixed just around price. You did not frame up the issues. You didn't watch out for the anchors. And guess what? You really have nowhere to stand. Maybe you've turned it into a take it or leave it situation. Negotiations aren't always meant to be quick and easy. It's really great if they can be. But successful negotiators, they are comfortable with some time and some tension. Let me say that again. Successful negotiators are typically comfortable with some time and some tension. Ideally, you want the other party to respond to you, not the other way around. And pitfall number six, and this seems kind of obvious, but it actually happens a lot. Don't gloat. If you reach a good deal and you're happy about it, boy, you think that that's really going to work for you or your operation, don't gloat. Because again, all successful negotiators, the goal is to work toward win-win outcomes, not win-lose. Gloating doesn't make long-term productive relationships. In fact, gloating typically will only drive the other party to extract the difference sometime later. From failing to frame up the issue to watching out for price anchors, we've heard some helpful reminders on what to avoid when taking a seat at the negotiation table. Next, we hear from Jim on some final communication tips for successful business negotiations. So we've talked a little bit about the business negotiation basics. In other words, what to do. We just talked about what not to do. So maybe let's just finish up with some communications on how to do it. Now, here's the key. Remember, the goal of any communication is to create understanding. Let me say that again. The goal of your business negotiation communications is to create understanding. And that understanding has to be through the eyes and the mind of the other party. So test yourself, really. What are you going to say? What are the words you're going to use? Do they meet these standards? Clear, concise, crisp, direct. Usually in business negotiations, less is more. Be very direct. Don't confuse the other party. And again, be calm. Negotiations can get heated, emotional. Keep your wits about you. Be calm. Think on your feet. This will always give you an advantage. And then be confident. Be confident about your offer. 
Be confident about your whys. Be confident about what you're saying. You know, people can really tend to read when you're not confident, and that can really undermine your position. And of course, the last one is be compelling. Be convincing that you are offering a fair offer, that you're working toward an agreement with the other party. Wrapping up today's episode, Jim drives home some key highlights from our Q&A segment. What's the best environment to negotiate a deal? Over the phone versus in person, their place, your place, neutral site, any insights on setting the environment in that way? Yeah, I, I, I prefer to get face-to-face because you really can read body language and what have you. And again, I would also tell you your place to take control or at worst a neutral place. That would be ideal. When you go to their place, sometimes they feel like they're very much in control. This is a little bit psychological. But again, I would do it face-to-face so that way you have plenty of time for give and take. You get stuck somewhere. You know, maybe you can start over. You can even do something like, you know, Rebecca, I'd like us to start over, et cetera, or I'd like us to revisit this issue. Can you agree to that? So again, when you're face-to-face, you can do that. When it's over the phone, sometimes it's just a click and then you're done. How do you view the objection of, I'll think about it? When someone says, I'll think about it, what they're doing to you, you have to understand is they're going to be comfortable with some time and some tension. And so a lot of times you might respond to something like that is, I would like to make a decision by Friday. In other words, you give a deadline or some time when you're expecting a response from them. If you just leave it open-ended, you've kind of shifted all the power into their court. This happens a lot, right? I'll think about it. What you need to do is set parameters around that and understand that what they're doing back to you. Are there different kind of rules per se when it comes to negotiating with family members versus a business relationship or do these principles translate no matter what? You know, they, they actually translate no matter what. I think they probably translate even more in a family situation because in a family situation, sometimes you make a lot of assumptions. You make an assumption that somehow you're going to do this at cost or somehow you're not going to charge me for certain things or I'm going to get priority of your time or your effort. And so I think that these really relate to a family situation as well as a non-family. I would also tell you in a family situation, get things in writing, treat it like a business transaction. And that'll really avoid a lot of family disagreements or squabbles or misunderstandings that you don't want to have in, in a family dynamic. So treat a family business negotiation just like a regular one. And it's probably even more important to get it in writing and make sure that you agree on what's going to happen and what's not going to happen. Yeah, really great advice. Is there any kind of closing remarks you'd like to make? I save the communication style for last. I think a lot of people believe that the more I talk, the more convincing I am or quantity over quality. But I think that that's something that we can all practice and improve on is be clear and concise and direct and short. If you want short and sweet and direct and confident and calm, that's the one thing that I think a lot of people don't pay much attention to. And then when they do get in a negotiation, they ramble on and on or they're not convincing or they're not compelling. And it's really their communication style that undermines their negotiation, maybe not the principles or the pitfalls. So don't forget your communication style. 
in business negotiations. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Side by Side Digital, brought to you by Farm Credit Services of America and Frontier Farm Credit. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or post your comments or questions on Facebook and Twitter using the hashtag SXSDigital. For more information or to watch the full business negotiation webinar and other educational content, visit fcsamerica.com slash SXSDigital. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks for listening to another episode of Side by Side Digital. Side by Side Digital is a production of Farm Credit Services of America. Farm Credit Services of America is a financial cooperative owned and governed by the customers we serve, with a singular focus on supporting rural communities in agriculture. To learn more, visit fcsamerica.com. Agriculture works here.